why feed hits and monthly downloads are meaningless podcast statistics. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 330. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning in-depth podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch and improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. Feed hits and monthly downloads are two podcast stats that may confuse and even mislead many podcasters. So this episode is all about why you should never rely on these meaningless numbers and why these numbers are meaningless to begin with. If you'd like to follow along in the show notes for episode 330, then go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash meaningless stats. First, why feed hits are a meaningless stat. Every time a podcast app checks for new episodes, it's checking for updated information from your RSS feed. That's the way podcasting works. And that counts as a feed hit each time that it checks for new episodes or new information from your feed. Tools like FeedBurner, FeedBlitz, and some other startup podcast hosting companies may actually offer you stats on how many times your feed is loaded, but such a stat doesn't tell you the true size of your audience. And that's for the following six reasons I'll share with you. Number one, there is no measurement standard. Unlike the industry standards we have for measuring podcast downloads, there's no association setting a standard or guideline of any sort for measuring feed hits. For example, should only full downloads of the feed be counted or sh should head requests be counted too? Head requests are those things where they're just checking information in the header of the file, like probably checking the last modified date before it downloads the whole feed. While one service may track both of those, another service may track only one of those. There is no standard to say which one should be tracked or things about IP addresses and locations and user agents and filtering and all of that stuff. There is no standard. So one company may give a completely different number from another company and you really can't know which one you can trust because there's no measurement standard. Number two, apps refresh feeds throughout the day. While most podcast apps probably default to checking the feed every hour or so, some apps refresh even more frequently than that. This then requires more filtering to reduce the excessive duplication by IP addresses. So while you are there sitting at home, sitting in your car, sitting at work, wherever you are, sitting, standing, moving around, doing whatever, your podcast app is probably checking the RSS feeds you're subscribed to to see if there's a new episode. and. Each time it checks, that's another hit in your RSS feed. It's like the old hit counters on websites that were completely inaccurate. Well, hit counters for feeds are also inaccurate. And this is one of those reasons, because apps refresh those feeds throughout the day, not only once per day. Although there is a setting in many apps that you can set it to only once per day if you want it. Number three, there's no way to track a single device across multiple IP addresses. Most mobile devices will probably have at least three different IP addresses in an average day. One IP address for home, one IP address for work, and one for mobile when you're not on your home Wi-Fi or your work Wi-Fi. 
But there could be even more if your device automatically connects to additional Wi-Fi networks, such as a store's public Wi-Fi or a coffee shop's public Wi-Fi or your friend's private Wi-Fi or any other place you visit where you've already set your device to connect to their Wi-Fi network. And if you leave a particular region and how big that region is depends on your carrier and where you actually live, work, and where your device is and the kind of network you're on, it's very likely that your mobile data provider will give your device a new IP address as the location of your device changes. Now, that doesn't mean that if you walk down the street to your neighbor's house that you'll get multiple IP addresses along the way. But it could mean, for me, if I go from Cincinnati to Dayton, then I'm going to have a different IP address when I'm in Dayton than when I'm in Cincinnati. And how frequently the IP address changes really depends on a lot of other factors that you may not even know. But the point is, your single device could then have multiple IP addresses associated with it, and thus every time it's refreshing an RSS feed looking for new episodes, it's doing so from a new IP address. For media downloads, this kind of IP address behavior can be accounted for with some different filtering and cross-referencing. Even at the simplest level of measuring media downloads, podcast apps will download an episode only once, unless the user forces it to re-download. So it's not like all of those IP addresses that your device has in a single day will count as additional downloads of that same media file, because once the file's downloaded, it doesn't need to be downloaded again. But since mobile devices refresh the feeds throughout the day and their IP addresses change as their location changes, often throughout the day, a single device could then show up as multiple devices based on the RSS feed hits. So one person could show up as 20 different people, according to your RSS feed hits. There's no way to track a single device across multiple IP addresses. Even if you try and attach that device somehow to a particular episode that was downloaded, you really can't assume then that it's the same device or a different device checking the RSS feed later and not downloading that same episode. It's complicated and maybe even outright impossible to do without the industry and RSS feeds and podcast apps seriously changing the way they access RSS feeds. In theory, if podcast apps and RSS feeds could have a cookie attached to them, kind of like when you visit a website address and it recognizes you in some way or it tracks you in some way, that's based on a cookie that's saved on your computer or on your device. If that could be done in the podcasting world, then you could track an individual person a bit better across their multiple IP addresses and such. But then that has some serious privacy concerns because you could then know, oh, the person who downloaded episode 50 changed from this IP address to this IP address to this IP address. And that's a serious, serious issue for privacy. And that's why you probably will never see that kind of thing happen or certainly not exposed to the content creator but then the person or company that does aggregate that data has to somehow anonymize it, which is kind of what Apple is doing with their new podcast analytics and consumption data that they're tracking inside of iOS 11. But at any time, a user can reset their anonymized token. So essentially, there's no way to track a single device across multiple IP addresses. That's number three reason why feed hits are a meaningless stat. Number four, Feed traffic varies every day. 
Podcast RSS feeds are only checked based on app settings and user interaction, and this usually then results in lower activity on the weekends. Measuring RSS feed hits would make it seem like your audience unsubscribes on the weekends because you'll see that dip that your RSS feed is loaded fewer times on the weekend than during the weekday for at least most podcasts out there. Many website statistic tools such as Google Analytics and others will track a user across multiple visits. So then it's really easy to see how many unique visits you had across time, such as how many unique visitors did you get this week, this month, this year, anything like that, as long as that cookie is not reset on their device. But FeedBurner and other RSS tools don't offer such tracking and thus report only a daily number or maybe even an average across days. But that average is not tied to actual users It's simply tied to the number. So even if a single user shows up 20 different times, that affects the average. That's number four. Feed traffic varies every day. Number five, feed stats exclude non-RSS plays. Trying to measure, quote, subscribers, unquote, raises the question, what really is a subscriber? While it may seem reasonable to say anyone who has pressed subscribe on your podcast inside a podcast app is then a subscriber, that excludes many loyal audience members. Some people will faithfully visit your website and press play on your latest episodes. That happens a lot on my Once Upon a Time podcast where some people aren't very familiar with podcast apps, but they do visit the website and press play. Some people will watch or listen to your content on social networks when you share it there, whether that be Twitter, Facebook, other places. Some people will add your podcast to their app without actually subscribing to it, and many apps make that possible. So they're not automatically downloading the new episodes. They're not checking for the latest episodes. So they're not being tracked as a subscriber. And some people use apps or services that subscribe to your feed only once at the service level, and then share that with thousands of users, such as the way that Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Play Music work, and some others as well, where when someone subscribes to your podcast on that platform, yes, they are a subscriber, but they're not actually subscribed to your RSS feed. They're subscribed to something inside of that app, and therefore, RSS feed hits would not be counted. People on these platforms could still be loyal consumers of your podcast, but they're not individually subscribed to your own RSS feed. Thus, anything that tracks your audience through RSS hits or downloads will not count any of these other loyal fans. If you're only looking at what's delivered through the RSS feed, you're missing a big portion of your audience. That's number five. Number six, iOS 11 refreshes feeds repeatedly. Now, this is a possible bug, but we'll see if this changes with the upcoming updates for iOS 11. Like iOS 11.1 was just released recently at the time of this episode's publication. iOS 11.2 is coming soon and does fix some other bugs in Apple Podcasts, but we'll see if it fixes this or if this is even a bug at all. And the issue is that Apple Podcasts in iOS 11 introduced some some strange new behavior regarding podcast RSS feeds. And this is resulting in a significant increase in feed hits since iOS 11 was released. 
If you go to the show notes, or maybe if you look inside your app, if your app supports images, you'll see a graph from one of the podcasts on my network where you can see right when iOS 11 was released, which was September 19th, 2017, the RSS feed hits and subscriptions, according to that system, start climbing significantly. And I see this across all of our RSS feeds. Starting on September 19th, when iOS 11 was released, the feed hits start jumping way up. And while there are different theories to explain this and try and figure out what's actually going on, we don't know yet if this is an intentional design by Apple or it's a bug in the app. And I could see it as being either way, really. Being intentional in that maybe every time you look at a podcast inside of the app or inside of the catalog, the feed is refreshed or it's refreshed very quickly after that so that the latest episodes always display and the latest information from the feed always displays. That could be a good thing, but the increase in hits on the feed could be a bad thing. We've already seen some podcasting companies say, oh, hold on, we can't handle this much bandwidth. We're going to have to shut down or we're going to have to change our plans because this is too much. Our servers can't handle this. But we can compare these daily feed hits to daily downloads and then you would probably see that the increase in feed hits starting on September 19th do not match any kind of increase in downloads for your episodes. And thus, it's not an actual increase in your audience. It's only an increase in feed hits and thus an increase in a meaningless number. So these six reasons why feed hits are meaningless stat are number one, there's no measurement standard. Number two, apps refresh feeds throughout the day. Number three, there's no way to track a single device across multiple IP addresses. Number four, Feed traffic varies every day. Number five, feed stats exclude non-RSS plays. And number six, iOS 11 refreshes feeds repeatedly. And that's a possible bug. If you want to see that chart or review some of this information, then possibly tap inside your app to view the show notes or go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash meaningless stats. Next, downloads per month, per week, per day. This is much more popular You'll often see podcasters speak highly of their downloads per week, per month, or per day. And while some numbers can be fun to celebrate, such as NoodleMix Network reaching 15 million total downloads in fall 2017, these downloads per time, as I like to call them because it's downloads per week or per month or per day, anything like that, downloads per time period or downloads per time, we could even abbreviate that as DPT, these downloads per time don't really mean much. They don't tell you any truth about the size of the audience. And here's why downloads per month, downloads per week, or downloads per day is a meaningless stat. Number one, it's not enough information. Downloads per time tell us nothing about the podcast's actual reach. It doesn't tell us how many episodes were published, how many episodes were already available, how many people downloaded episodes, or how many episodes people downloaded. Downloads per time would include downloads for new episodes released during that time and all old episodes also downloaded during the same time. For example, if I say I deliver 10,000 downloads in a month, that may sound impressive until you learn that I published 10 episodes that month and 
I have a thousand episodes in my back catalog. Or we could exaggerate this even further to say I published a thousand episodes that month, but then each episode was downloaded only 10 times, thus giving me 10,000 downloads a month. You see, it doesn't tell the whole story. But even with this information, if you know how many downloads there are per month, how many episodes were published during that month, how many episodes have been published previously, what the publishing schedule is normally, even with all of that, you still can't calculate audience size because these numbers don't tell you how many people downloaded those episodes. It seems most podcasters like to share this meaningless number because it is an impressive number. Or maybe it's because they don't understand the lack of information that the number carries with it. But please don't use this as a number. It, even as a bragging right to those who know, it's, it's not really bragging because the number has no meaning to it. To say, yeah, I had 10,000 downloads this month doesn't really tell us how big your podcast is. All it says is that in that particular month, of all of the episodes available, there were 10,000 downloads. Where those 10,000 were distributed, we have no idea. All we know, simply 10,000 that particular month. There's not enough information there. That's number one. And the second reason why downloads per time is a meaningless stat is it will always be changing. You may think downloads per time will grow with your podcast, but that's not necessarily the case. It, it is possible that as your audience grows, your downloads per month will grow too. But depending on how your audience consumes your podcast, especially how your new subscribers consume your podcast, if they go back and download older episodes, what you may more likely see is that your downloads per month will grow exponentially, not in a direct correlation to how many new subscribers you have. But even without factoring in growth and back catalog consumption, Downloads per time will be constantly changing. Downloads per day, for example, will be the highest the day you release your latest episode, unless you publish late in the day. And then the next day would be the highest for the week. And weekends will show lower downloads per day for some shows, but higher downloads per day for other shows. Downloads per week or per month will also change based on how many episodes you published or skipped during that time. And trying to account for all of these constant changes could drive you crazy. That's why this number is a meaningless stat. It will always be changing. And number three, it's easy to inflate without growing the audience. Hey, you want to know a little secret, a way to double your downloads per month? This works. I guarantee this works. Here's what you do. Simply publish twice as many episodes. Or if you want to see even bigger numbers, go from publishing your podcast weekly to publishing daily, and you could septuple your downloads per month. But while these things will increase your downloads per time, the inflated stat does not reflect an increase in actual people consuming your podcast. I talked about this a lot in episode 260, where I talked about guaranteed ways to increase your download numbers, but why you shouldn't do any of those things. And to summarize it, increasing your downloads doesn't mean you're increasing your audience. You can increase your downloads without ever growing your audience. And if you get paid per download, 
and your sponsor is in every one of those episodes, yes, that does mean there's a higher potential for income. Like John Lee Dumas in his early days, that was one of the reasons he loved doing a daily show is that it meant more opportunities to be sponsored, more impressions. And yes, that's good. But when you're looking at things from a downloads per time number, you can see that you can very easily inflate that by simply publishing more content. So to say, hey, we went from 10,000 downloads per month to 30,000 downloads per month sounds impressive. It sounds like you grew your audience, but maybe all you did was publish more episodes and your audience didn't grow by a single person, but your downloads did. It's because downloads per time are not an accurate reflection of your audience size. It's a meaningless statistic. Number four, it's misleading to advertisers. Absolutely don't use your misleading downloads per time stat to entice a sponsor. They may expect their ad to receive that same reach, but because of the reasons I've shared with you, your actual reach for your podcast episodes and for your sponsor could be a much, much smaller portion of that impressive number. This is because most advertising will be put into only specific episodes. There are some dynamic ad insertion technologies out there and others being developed by other companies and such that can put an ad into every episode of your entire catalog of your podcast. But setting that up can be complicated, especially if you didn't prepare for it with all of those episodes that you've published in the past. And making that transition to the ad, if you didn't plan for that transition in the first place, could feel quite bumpy. And and plus, dynamic ad insertion can feel even more disruptive to your audience if you didn't account for it in the first place. Now, if you want to someday use dynamic ad insertion, start planning for it now. Start having some point in your episode where you pause, you bring the conversation to some kind of close or something like that, and you make a note of what kind of pause that is so that then when you have an ad dynamically inserted, you can say something like, before we continue, I want to tell you about my sponsor or however you make that transition. So it sounds like an actual transition instead of just, hey, commercial break, everybody, or some other even more disruptive interruption with your podcast. And if you do use dynamic ad insertion and you use it on all of your episodes for your podcast, then the downloads per month might be a number you could show to sponsors because then you could say, hey, we'll put you in every single episode of our podcast. So the 10,000 downloads per month that we get right now, that would be 10,000 impressions of your ad. But even then, it's still misleading Because that doesn't mean 10,000 people. That could be 1,000 people hearing the ad 10 times every month. Because downloads per month is still a meaningless number. So these four reasons for why downloads per month, per week, per day, or as I like to call it, downloads per time is a meaningless stat. Number one, it's not enough information. Number two, it will always be changing. Number three, it's easy to inflate without growing the audience. And number four, it's misleading to advertisers. So how should you measure your audience? The industry standard that we've had for years, because this is not the wild, wild west, we have this standard of downloads 
per episode, or I like to abbreviate it DPE, downloads per episode. And this is typically measured from 30 days after that episode was released, although the majority of the downloads will be in the first three to seven days after that episode is published. But raw download logs are still not accurate. That's why Association of Downloadable Media, known as ADM, many years ago, and then more recently, Interactive Advertising Bureau, or IAB, have created measurement guidelines. These account for things like partial downloads, bots, public IP addresses, user agent filtering, repeat downloads, and a whole lot more, too. Blueberry, Lipson, PodTrack, and soon Spreaker, but not yet, have contributed data to IAB and ADM, and they are in compliance with these agreed-upon industry standards, or in the case of Spreaker, they will be soon. That's one of the big reasons you hear these companies recommended by people who know what's going on in the podcasting space. We know we can trust these companies to uphold the standard and conform where necessary, all in the interest of accurate measurement, not impressive data. I like the way Todd Cochran puts it. He says, I don't care what the number is as long as I know what the number is. And so we as podcasters should be more interested in accurate audience measurement, not impressive numbers, but accuracy, truthfulness, something we can rely on. And it can hurt sometimes as algorithms are tweaked or as bugs are discovered, like this thing with Apple Podcasts now pinging the feeds a whole lot more often. You might have thought, oh boy, I've got a whole lot more subscribers. Look at that number jump. But now you know, well, that's either a bug or it's a feature. It's something though that FeedBurner is probably never going to account for and some of the other services may never account for either. But it's something to know that now you can look at a number you can rely on, like downloads per episode, especially from those companies that are IAB compliant. Blueberry, Libsyn, and PodTrack are the top three I recommend now for podcast stats. And soon Spreaker will be compliant too. You can trust those numbers. And I like the illustration that Dave Jackson has used recently when explaining how certain algorithm changes and such and changing based on new information that we have in the space and discovering new things that new podcast apps are doing in ways that they're downloading data differently. What he pointed out, this little illustration that he did is he stood next to another guy and he said, look down at our legs and you count four legs. So from that, we can see that there are two people. Okay, so our standard of measurement is how many legs are there? There are four legs, and therefore, there are two people. But what if then we change the measurement standard to say, now we're going to count by heads instead, and there are only two heads. So the number went down, but the actual audience didn't go anywhere. It's the same number of people listening They're simply measured in a different way. And that's why you'll see these companies refining their algorithms and such, all working toward better compliance and better implementation of these standards that we've had for years and these revised standards and guidelines coming out from the IAB more recently. So if you're going to share a number to celebrate how much your podcast audience has grown, look at your downloads per episode. If you're using one of these companies that can provide you with accurate downloads per episode, and I recommend Blueberry, Libsyn, PodTrack, Uh, Spreaker and Podbean may or may not soon be in compliance. 
But with all of these services, PodTrack is completely free. But with these other services, if you want to move your media over to them to host your media and provide stats for you, then use the promo code Noodle and you get a month free, a little bit more even on a couple of these services. That's Blueberry, Libsyn, PodTrack, and soon Spreaker, maybe even Podbean as well. And I have links to those in the show notes, as well as all of this other material that you can reference in the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash meaningless stats. Now knowing the truth about accurate podcast measurement, you may look at your stats and realize, oh, I have a smaller audience than I thought. Well, please don't get discouraged by that because recognize these are people who come to you episode after episode, faithfully listening to your episodes or watching your episodes, getting your perspective, being entertained, inspired, educated by you. Imagine putting all of these people in a room then it wouldn't seem like such a small number. And even if it is a, quote, small number, unquote, these people are coming back episode after episode after episode to hear what you have to say. So even if that number is small, don't get discouraged. But even if you are content with your audience numbers where they are, but you want to make your podcast better, you want to grow your relationship with your audience. You want to engage with your audience better. You want to give them more opportunities to become evangelists for your podcast. You want your podcast to reach your goals and for you to profit from your podcast, whether that's popularity, relationships, opportunities, fun, income, or tangibles. If you want any of that for your podcast, then Podcaster Society is the place to be. Because this is where I and other podcasting experts help you to improve and grow your podcast, even if you don't want to make money from it, even if you're content with your podcast audience being the size it is, although, let's be honest, who among us wouldn't like to have some more people listening to our podcast? But regardless of your perspective, of your goals, of how you want to profit from your podcast, if you are after at least episode one, then Podcaster Society can be for you. Go over to podcasterssociety.com to check out the membership options over there. I and other podcasting experts are available to help you improve your podcast. There are courses, training materials, regular webinars, podcast evaluations, and you're getting into a community of other podcasters who are just as passionate as you are about improving your podcast. Some of them are monetizing. Some of them aren't. Some of them are content with the size of their audience, but they want to make their podcast better. Some of them want to grow their audience. Some of them have great podcasts and want to reach more people. Some of them feel that their podcast could be improved in many different ways. Connecting with other like-minded podcasters is a powerful thing, and that's what Podcaster Society does. So you get an encouraging community, you get expert support, and you get inspirational training on a regular basis. That's at podcasterssociety.com. I would love for you to join and get access to all of these things, like the Zoom H6 for Podcasters course, the SEO for Podcasters course, the big push we're going to be making soon on growing your podcast, as well as all of the other things to help you build the profit for your podcast, popularity, relationships, opportunities, fun, income, and tangibles. That's at podcasterssociety.com. Let me know if you have any questions about joining. Otherwise, I hope to see you inside Podcaster Society. Thanks to Tony Arsenal from the United States and co-host of Reformed Brotherhood, who wrote this kind review of the Audacity to Podcast in Apple Podcasts, saying, great for both new and seasoned podcasters. When I started my podcast, The Reformed Brotherhood, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I stumbled through it like a blind man. 
After about 40 episodes, I discovered the Audacity to Podcast, and it was an eye-opener. Daniel helped me understand what I had done right and what I had done wrong. My podcast is demonstrably more successful than it would have been otherwise. Thank you, Tony, for that kind review. It's really encouraging to hear that I got to be part of helping you make your podcast better. And Tony's podcast is Reformed Brotherhood at reformedbrotherhood.com. And the description of the podcast is this. When you join the church, you join a family. Families have brothers. Tony and Jesse are two such brothers who are also brothers-in-law. Join them each Wednesday as they discuss faith, family, Reformed theology, and whatever else comes up. And you can check that out at reformedbrotherhood.com. Also, thanks to Kit Parks from the United States and host of Active Travel Adventures, who wrote an Apple podcast, helped me to launch. I've only been on the air for a week, and Daniel's The Audacity to Podcast has been a lifesaver. He gives clear, actionable advice on how to do the best job possible on your podcast with the least amount of headaches. I highly recommend subscribing and then going back and reviewing his show notes afterwards so you can put into place his recommendations. Thanks, Daniel. I like seeing that Kit was going back to the show notes to learn and review things that I was sharing so Kit could apply them in the podcast, Active Travel Adventures. And thank you for that kind review. You can check out Kit's podcast at activetraveladventures.com. Here's the description of the podcast. The Active Travel Adventure podcast and website's mission is to bring you epic experiences from around the world. One episode, we might be hiking between one medieval village to the next in Scotland, or maybe climbing active volcanoes in Nicaragua. Perhaps we'll cycle through the vineyards of France or take a leisurely paddle to observe the wildlife in the Okefenokee Swamp. All adventures will be fascinating and offer a unique way to immerse yourself in another culture or destination. They will all require that you move. Somehow, you will be propelling yourself from one place to the next, whether it's hiking, biking, paddling, horseback riding, or some combination of the above. These adventures aren't crazy hard or dangerous like climbing Mount Everest. They are doable, epic, fun adventures for those who are in decent physical shape. Most have a difficulty rating of 3 out of 5, so if you're in reasonable shape, particularly if you're willing to train a bit, you can do these adventures. I'm a 57-year-old widow, and the bar is set that I have been able to do each of these trips. Subscribe today to the Active Travel Adventures podcast so you don't miss an episode. That is really cool that Kit has accomplished these cool things, and she's 57 years old, or 57 years young, maybe we should say, and sharing those stories I think can be of great inspiration to others, and that's at activetraveladventures.com. Also, thanks to Gloria Mitchell from the United States and host of Living a Phenomenal Life with Gloria Mitchell, who wrote this kind review saying, the best podcast on podcasting, Daniel provides incredible value each week. He is always up on the latest in the podcasting world and always offers tips to help you make your podcast better. As a result of listening to his show, I was able to launch my podcast with confidence. Daniel, thanks for always putting out great episodes. Hey, dare I say you launched your podcast with audacity? That's why I named my show The Audacity to Podcast. I want to give you that confidence, that audacity to launch your own podcast, to share your message, to grow your podcast. Sometimes that confidence comes from knowing how to use the tools. Sometimes that confidence comes from getting the guts to podcast, to overcome some struggle. 
And I love seeing these stories in the podcast reviews that share how the Audacity to Podcast has inspired and helped you. Now check out Gloria's podcast over at GloriaMitchell.com and the description is this. Gloria Mitchell went from being homeless to getting an MBA from Stanford University. Wow, that's quite a jump. She is a highly sought after life coach who has spent over a decade studying human resiliency. In her weekly podcast, she shares advice to help you tackle life's challenges, take control of your life, and of course, have a little fun in the process. A motivational and inspirational self-help podcast. That's at GloriaMitchell.com. If you want to check out these podcasters who have left reviews for the Audacity to Podcast, then visit the show notes over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash meaningless stats or tap inside your app and you can visit these podcasts and check them out. And thank you very much for those kind reviews. If you write a review for the Audacity to Podcast, wherever you write it, then please make sure that review contains your name and the name of your podcast if that's not obvious from your Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or other podcast app username. So it's best if you just include that inside of the review so that I can give you a shout out for your podcast and link to it like I did for Gloria, Kit, and Tony in this episode. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch and improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. But just don't use these meaningless stats. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the audacity to podcast.com. Thanks for listening. The audacity to podcast is a proud member of noodle mix network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.